Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. This is Brian Harden, Director of Governmental and Agricultural Programs for the Alabama Farmers Federation. Today we're excited to introduce our new podcast, Alabama AgCast. Thank you for joining us for this inaugural episode. For our first episode, we're going to talk about how farmers have and can be helped due to the impacts of COVID-19. I'm joined by Mitt Walker, Assistant Director of Governmental and Agricultural Programs for the Alabama Farmers Federation. We as the Alabama Farmers Federation have been following the impacts of COVID-19 to our state's farmers since March. During that time, it has been constant communication with our elected officials on the federal and state levels. There have been several actions taken by the federal and state government to help mitigate the impacts to farmers. So Mitt, I want you to help our listeners walk through what has taken place starting with the CARES Act passed in the spring and what the latest is in regards to potential help. Let's start with how does CFAP or the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program help farmers? Well, thank you, Brian, um, and it's it's a pleasure to be here today to, to help explain a little bit about these programs. There are several um, programs out there today, but going back to the CARES Act, which passed um, back in the spring, one of the uh, big things that came out of that for um, our farmers was the, the original CPAP program, Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Um, that program has actually run its course. Uh, the sign-up period closed on that. And we're now working through CPAP, too, and we'll talk a little more about that later. But on CPAP, the original program, um, it ended up paying out about $10 billion to farmers across the country. Um, Nearly 640,000 farmers were assisted through that program. Closer to home in Alabama, um, about 13,000 farmers were able to take advantage of the program. Um, um, Almost $100 million came into the state to help farmers weather Um, those losses they experienced and and some of those were due to steep price declines that happened almost overnight and in other cases it was the um, overnight loss of markets that just disappeared. Well man I know from the first CFAP it did not initially address all of our needs in Alabama. How has that improved over the course of the program? Yeah, the um, original program um, addressed some of the major crops across the country. Obviously, beef cattle um, probably got the most attention on the front end, but crops like cotton, um, corn, all of those were eligible. But we did have a couple of major crops here in Alabama, catfish and nursery crops, that were not included in the original program. Um, The main reason they were not initially included was that USDA just simply didn't have the data they needed to be able to calculate what losses were experienced. So um, toward the end of the sign-up period for the initial program, uh, nursery crops and catfish were both added, and uh, we're, we're very fortunate and thankful that they were because those guys also experienced some pretty significant declines. And you've already mentioned it, but a second CFAP, or CFAP 2 as we're calling it, was announced by President Trump on September 17th. What new assistance or changes does CFAP2 provide? Yeah, you know, Brian, what I would say to that is is the original CFAP program was really set up to help farmers deal with those immediate losses and those immediate needs. Um, There was so much uncertainty around the, the initial stages of the coronavirus epidemic that farmers really didn't know what to anticipate. 
like I said earlier, markets went away overnight. Prices really um, dropped out on, on the farmers. So the original program, in my estimation, was really there to help with those immediate needs to kind of help put out the fire. The CFAP2 program, I think, is designed more to help with the long-term stability, to help get farmers back on their feet and, and help them make plans going into next year. Um, the CFAP2 program does cover a lot of the commodities that maybe weren't eligible the first time. Uh, it's also a much cleaner calculation. In the case of nurseries, catfish, specialty crops, um, the calculation as far as what the payments rates will be really go back to a simple look at what sales had been over the previous year and you multiply that by a certain percentage. On livestock, probably the, the most exciting thing for us is it does pick up a different date window. Um, the first program payments were um, made through April the 15th. Um, that was somewhat of an arbitrary date, but it was a date that had to be established to get the program um, rolled out to, to help folks. The CPAP2 program actually will pay on a little later time frame and help farmers um, that maybe weren't eligible for that first round of payments to um, be able to, to get some assistance. So, Milt, would you say are there still any gaps in CFAP2 that we would like to see addressed for Alabama's farmers? Yeah, the, probably the biggest gap that we're still looking at is um, assistance for contract poultry growers. Most of our poultry operations in Alabama, those farmers are growing birds for other companies that, that are established here in the state. USDA has a longstanding policy and rule that they are not um, – able to make payments to contract growers or to growers that don't actually own the livestock. It's a point that's been raised several times. Unfortunately, um, Congress has been in, in a little bit of disarray um, over the past few months, and it's not going to get any better, obviously, with the Supreme Court issue that's now facing us. But um, we are looking for the right opportunity to get contract poultry growers eligible. Um, both the House and the Senate have passed separate bills that both would accomplish that, but we've not been able to get a bill across the finish line. And USDA does need legislative authority to make those payments. Okay, now the states also had an opportunity to direct funds from the CARES Act. And with the support of Governor Ivey and Commissioner Pate, the Alabama Agricultural Stabilization Program was established. How is that state program different from CFAP? Yeah, I think we could start there by talking about poultry where we left off. Because the federal program was not um, able to address some of those concerns with the poultry growers as far as making the payments, we did work very closely with the governor's office and Commissioner Pate's office at the Department of Ag and Industry to develop a program to meet some of those needs that weren't addressed through CPAP or CPAP2. Poultry growers under the state program are eligible for a payment. It'll be based on square footage. Um, if they were without birds for a certain period of time. For example, to be eligible for that payment, you would have to be without birds for more than 21 days. And when I say without birds, um, farmers, uh, poultry farmers here will typically grow five to six batches of birds, and um, there's a turnover there between those flocks to get the houses ready for the next batch. Normally that runs you know, maybe a week to 10 days, maybe even 14 days on average. Um, when they start looking at times of 21 days and more without um, birds being in the house, they're not able to turn the profits that they need to to, to um, make the living on the farm. 
Now, Mitt, now that we have a CFAP, a CFAP 2, and the state program, the question may be out there, can a farmer participate in more than one program? What guidance do we give farmers today in regards to that question? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Brian. And, and I know it's going to be confusing for a lot of people because there are several programs floating around out there. And let me say this, too. Th those programs, it sounds like a lot of money coming into the state. Um, farmers have been dealt a pretty significant blow through the virus. Um, we already started with depressed commodity prices for the last few years, and unfortunately, and we may talk about it a little later, um, Hurricane Sally and the impacts farmers are dealing with. Um, so we have looked for every opportunity to try to help farmers weather these difficult times. So there are really now two programs left because CFAP2 has run its course. but. Um, CFAP2 is out there as well as um, the state programs. In most cases, um, I'll use an example for the state program, there's a supplementary CFAP payment. So if you were eligible for the first CFAP program, then most likely you would be eligible for an additional payment through the state program. In the case of livestock, um, certainly I would encourage those farmers to look at both of those um, applications. It's important to keep in mind, too, one is administered through your county FSA office. That's going to be your CFAP2 program. So talk with your county FSA office, get those applications submitted there. On the state program, that's being handled through the State Department of Agriculture and Commissioner Pate's team. Mitt, I know one thing that we've been encouraged by that is a little bit unusual when we talk about assistance programs was the inclusion of, of nursery crops. Um, both from USDA's perspective and then working with the state. Talk a little bit about the unique or new opportunity for uh, nursery growers and, and specialty crops in that regard, if you would. Yeah, that is um, something that will be a little bit new to our nursery crop growers, and I might even lump catfish farmers into that equation that um, have not typically dealt with FSA on a annual basis. Um, you know, those offices are there to help farmers navigate um, these applications. I would say that CFAP2 is designed to be a fairly simple process. There will be some documentation that farmers will need in order to um, fill out those applications. So think about things like um, inventory um, numbers, sales receipts, those types of things will be important in, in making those determinations. But um, lean on those county offices. They're there to assist you. Um, and I would say don't be intimidated by the process if it's new to you. Um, again, CFAP is designed to be a fairly simple program to implement. And Mid, as we start to wrap up, recently the farmers of our state were dealt another blow with the impacts of Hurricane Sally. I want to let those affected know that they are in our thoughts and prayers, but share what information you can um, with those affected by Hurricane Sally that may, may be helpful to them at this point. Yeah, the um, hurricane certainly dealt a pretty significant blow to southwest Alabama, and um, as it moved across our state, the southern part of the state, the wiregrass also got a pretty significant amount of rain. Um, we're here at harvest time. Um, we know cotton will be impacted pretty significantly. I'm still trying to determine what the peanut outlook might be. Pecans suffered some pretty significant losses. Um, what I would encourage farmers to do right now is, one, make sure you report any losses or damage to your local FSA office. It's important that they know what damage has occurred and what those losses might be as we look to the federal government um, to help design maybe a response from USDA. 
I would also say that on the Alpha Farmers website, there's a survey that we put together to help farmers um, quantify what those losses might be, capture some basic weather information, how much rain did you get, what wind speeds did you um, deal with, and then what are your estimations on what may be out there in terms of losses or even structural damage. So please take time to do that. That's going to be really important for us as we look to make the case to get um, those losses covered through future disaster programs. Well, thank you, Mitt, for being with us today to provide a better understanding of the available assistance being provided for COVID-19 relief. For Mitt Walker, this is Brian Harden, and thanks to all of you for joining us for the first Alabama AgCast. And now, your weekly AgCast wrap-up. This is William Green, Forestry Division Director of the Alabama Farmers Federation and Executive Director of the Alabama Treasure Forest Association. On this week's wrap-up, I'll focus on a unique opportunity created to help Alabama landowners recoup lost income. Recently, Governor Ivey announced a new program to provide $10 million of relief payments for timber landowners who have sold or harvested timber during the COVID-19 pandemic's depressed market. Funded through the CARES Act, the program would allow eligible timber owners to receive grants up to $10,000 on a first-come, first-served basis. The payment rate will be a dollar per ton of timber sold, regardless of product, and does come with some restrictions. The timber must be harvested in the months of March through July. Applicants must live in Alabama, and they must be able to certify that they have not received prior federal funding for the timber and also certify the sale by providing official load summary sheets or contracts. A wood buyer is also eligible to apply if the timber was bought on a lump sum term before March 2020. The program will be administered by the Alabama Forestry Commission, and more information can be found by visiting forestry.alabama.gov or by checking the show notes for this episode. Thank you for joining us for Alabama AgCast. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast. Yeah.